record this. All right. So we're recording. We're going to pretend like we just came on. Josh, what's up? <laughs> what's up, man? How's it going? Not bad. Well, we, did, we did just come on like 30 seconds ago. Yeah, we're, exactly yeah. right. So, uh, yeah. so you said, uh, yeah, we were just talking about that. So you just released a book. Uh, congratulations, by the way. That is a big deal. Thanks, man. I'm, yeah. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. And it's your second book. It is, it is my second book. Uh, you'd think the second book would be easier, and it turns out that's not, that's not how it goes. Yeah. Was, it, was it harder because you knew more the second time around, so you wanted it, like, there was more kind of, like, uh, detail and perfection you were trying to achieve with it, or what made it harder? What made it harder was that um, the first book was very much like my experience working with my clients, and I was like, I think I've got something that's really useful here. Um, the second book, I wanted to, like, upend all of how like the diet and fitness world approaches food. And I felt like I couldn't do that without um, a, like 400 sources. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> like some credibility then or like, yeah. 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 Um, so the research was just kind of ridiculous. Okay, man. That's, yeah. uh, <clears throat> for the folks at home or whatever, tuning into this, when I, whenever, when I eventually post it, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> um, well, uh, I've been a trainer since 2004, and um, originally uh, I worked in a big box gym that was very much in the world of like teaching people to count calories and stuff like that. And um, I uh, I did that, and I I did um, oh, and and we had people fill out these forms and would spit them out like a like a meal plan, you know. All right. So like I started with having people do these meal plans that were generated by this big box gym software, right? Um, and that worked for like this minority people, but then like most people it didn't. Um, and then we moved calorie counting that worked for like a little more people, but for a lot of people it didn't. And then like specific diet and like keep going through all the things. And, um, and I guess I've spent like 16 years trying to figure out what would work for like more and more people. Gotcha. Yeah. So for anyone watching this, like, uh, uh, Josh is really great and unique in the sense that he takes on a like very like skill and behavioral based approach to like eating and like was that would that be an accurate way to like yes gosh or how would you describe it yeah yeah and someone like myself who's been a victim of like yo-yo dieting and thinking it's about like the what versus like really the true motivating factors i really value josh's approach and how he um you know uh, kind of i wouldn't say like dismisses diet culture but you see the shortfallings of it like yeah yeah so i mean like um i'm glad you said that because it's actually really important to note that um there's a percentage of people that diets really work for sure and the people that diets work for any diet will work <laughs> so um so you're like i guess you're like picking your favorite or or, or whatever but statistically uh the majority of people um diets won't work for for longer than a year and then like like a vast majority of people it won't continue to work for for three for three years right gotcha. when did when did you first like clue into that and like your your journey when you said you started with like those detailed intake forms and like you're doing these prescriptions like when did something click for you and you're like man this doesn't seem to be like the thing so there a moment like that so the um there, there there were two things that happened like kind of simultaneously one was um i realized that uh like i'd cycled through a bunch of diets you know of having like all my clients are going to do paleo and this was like early this was like yeah. early paleo right um and um uh, and then like the zone and then like, you know, and like, and the thing is, I, like I, I started to realize that like none of them mattered, 
they all worked for about the same percentage of people. And so I was like, the details probably don't matter. It's so like, that's kind of weird. And then the other thing I noticed was that um, I had a couple really, really, really motivated clients. Like my most motivated clients, the ones that got the absolute most results, it, it was just like such a grind. It was like such a grind for them that like it kept getting harder for them. And I'm like, why is it like getting harder for my most motivated clients? And that like in a really weird roundabout way, that was kind of what clued me into like, and then, hey, also what about like all these other clients that it doesn't work for at all? So when you say it was getting harder, do you mean like the sustainability of the diet? Yeah. Like people that were like motivated, yeah. dialed in as they stuck with this particular nutrition plan or approach, it became progressively more difficult to maintain. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm like, skills don't... the opposite, like the longer you're doing something, the better and the more natural it becomes, right? You would think. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, like skills get easier and more natural and more, you know, and it was, it was the opposite. And I was like, I was like, okay, so it's so like most of, most of people it isn't working for, uh, which actually I didn't realize at the time because I was, I was deliberately selecting for clients that it would work for, um, which is a whole other thing, which is like, like survivor bias in a, in a way that the fitness industry like tends to churn through the same people over and over again. Yeah. Tell me about um, survivor bias. That's an interesting, what is that? Oh, survivor bias is, um, is that, so in, in a, if you're a personal trainer and you and you managed to reject a certain amount of clients, either in your marketing or in your intake, or you tended to have them drop off really quickly, then you look at all the survivors, the people that stick through it and you think, Oh, this program really works Gotcha. So because these people are doing well. And it's not that the program was great. It was that you selected, is that something in your process selected for the people that that, um, that program will work for. Yeah. And, they, and they toughed it out, even though it might not have been the best program for them, but it was, yeah, yes. gotcha, cool. Yeah, and that's, that's where you get, um, you know, you, like, you get the gyms that tend to like collect only like, like X division one college athletes, you know, and you're like, Hey, wow, look, they've got this like skill base that everything works for them or, or th things like that. Right. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So then, um, I had a friend, Steven Ledbetter, coach, coach Steve-O, who was, who was very much in the world of like, like, Hey, you know, like, um, <laughs> he actually told me you're doing a really good job of selecting for, the people that your program will work for, right? Yeah. And he's like, what about the other 90% of America that the fitness industry is kind of like, like, like pushing away, you know? Yeah. And, and how do we make a difference for a bigger group of people? And I started looking into habits and I started looking into like, even for the people that it is working for, like the things that were, the things that mattered weren't the specifics of the diet. The things that mattered were, how do we, how do we obstacle plan for, you know, like every Thursday is a really stressful day at work or how do we, how do we manage the fact that, um, when you're really tired, like you want to eat, you want to eat cookies, you know, and started to realize that like, those were the more important things than the number of grams of. Yeah. So would you say whatever. it's important that there's a, an aspect of being like proactive and accepting is what I heard there. Like, Kind of sure. like if you, if you know on this day you're going to be, um, it's a stressful day, you can kind of prepare for it and set yourself up for success. So a little bit of like 
being proactive as an aspect of uh, these habits or like changing the perspective instead of getting wrapped up in the, in the numbers? Yeah, dude. So I love that you said being proactive and being accepting because they're two different things that are both uniquely valuable in a situation like that. So let's go to that person that like Thursday is a stressful day. It's a long day at work. Um, maybe they tend to, for, for whatever reason, it, it's, a, it's a harder day, mm. right? And typically they handle that with food. Um, and it's because food's easy, food's acceptable, food's, you know, like it might be the only time they give themselves a break, like all, all these different reasons that they use food to help manage that stressful day. Yeah. So what, the one part being proactive is we can plan for that. Like, hey, oh, it's a longer day. I actually might need a snack between meals, which, which just uh, like I tend to not recommend snacking for a variety of reasons that we can get to later. But like maybe I do need to, maybe I do need to have a snack to bridge the gap between meals. Maybe I need to put in some breaks that aren't food related because like I actually just need some breaks that day. Um, and also maybe where you said accepting, maybe I need to accept that the way I set my life up or like the job that I have right now is going to be stressful every Thursday. Like that isn't, I, I can put in some self-care. I can, I can do these logistical, there are logistical things I absolutely should do. And there's an element of like, this day is going to suck. And I need to find ways to be with that without trying to fix it or um, most of my clients can't change it, you know, I mean, like without changing jobs or something like that. Right. Um, but I need to find some way to accept it. And, and by accept, I don't, um, some people have trouble with the word accept. I just mean being willing to feel the stress and discomfort of tiredness that comes with the way that day is set up in my schedule right now. Maybe it's like acknowledging it instead of accepting. Like accepting sounds like, oh, just like, I guess this is the way it is. Whereas acknowledging, it's like, hey, I understand that it's this way. How do I work within that to make the best of it kind of thing? I don't know if that's a better word or not. I love that you said that. Cause it is just like, it's like being real about yeah. it. Like, it you know like, what? <laughs> I get it. It's okay to be like, man, this, this really sucks. All right, where do I see the opportunities in here to make it like suck less or to make it, you know, not be the like the negative situation that I could potentially paint it out to be if I approached it more from like a defeated accepting victim perspective. And yeah. Not to go on a tangent with that, but it goes back to like without getting too off track, like how habits can be formed by like a belief initially, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but you said you were getting away from like, maybe it's not about the calories or the macros and you started researching more of this habit. Oh, thing yeah. So like, so tell, describe that. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where like, um, it's not that macros and calories don't matter. Like of, like, of course they do. It's that um, focusing on them isn't, the, isn't an effective route for a lot of people, mm -hmm. right? Um, I used to hang my hat on like calorie tracking, but what I was doing with the calorie tracking, like it comes back to like, my clients would bring in their journal and they'd be like, here's the numbers. And what we'd really end up doing is we'd really end up like, like troubleshooting their, their average day, right? Like how can we have a more balanced meal so you feel more full, right? How can we, um, how can we like put in a, a short walk at three o'clock so you're not snacking cause you're just bored and you need a break. Mm -hmm. How can we put the fork down between bites so that you can actually tell that you're getting full during the meal, right? And so we're still impacting 
we're still impacting like total amount of energy consumed. And, and like by shooting towards a generally balanced meal, we're impacting macros, but, um, but we're approaching it in actionable behavioral ways. You know, it's like, if you're playing basketball, you could stare at the scoreboard or you could focus on like shooting, passing and dribbling. Right. Yeah. So instead of getting wrapped up in like a result or like this number score, kind of this like quantifiable thing, it's more about like maybe the quality. It's like, what is, you know, what could influence that result within, yeah. Yeah, within what we're applying? Yeah. Cause if, if someone is, if someone is plating balanced meals and stopping when they're full and not snacking between meals because they're bored, tired, sad, lonely, or procrastinating. Right. Yeah. Um, that's going to lower their, that's going to, that's, that's going to impact everything else. That's going to like the, the, the follow-up thing is that's going to impact their calories and that's going to impact their body composition if that's the goal that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're going to the source, like instead of just like this sort of like after the fact thing that actually like divorces people from the actions that they're actually taking, we're going right to the actions. Okay, gotcha. So would you, so you say it's beneficial to maybe like it could be almost misleading too. It's like let's say on paper everything looks balanced and you're assume and you're consuming X amount of calories and macros, but um, if you're not chewing your food properly or inhaling it or like eating in maybe like a stressful kind of scenario, like standing over your kitchen sink while you're like texting or something, these could be like <laughs> determining factors that are kind of uh, not really the best quality approaches to the consumption too. Is there accuracy in that? Like, yeah, like so. Um, so thing, things we know. Th- no, <laughs> so it's it's hard to say no with research. Things that show up like really consistently in research are yeah. that if you eat quickly, you're going to overeat, yeah. right? If you get seconds, you'll eat more total than if you just plated more to begin with, yeah. right? If you eat watching a screen, if you eat looking at a screen, you'll eat more. Not just at that meal, you'll eat more at the next meal. Mm-hmm. right? You'll eat more at two meals <laughs> if you eat while looking at a screen. Um, if you snack, you'll eat more, right? Like, and, and, you know, there's, there's reasons for that, right? Like, um, a lot of fullness is like the stretch reflex of your stomach. And there's like a, like a contextual, like memory component to, to fullness. Um, and so it's one of those things where like snacks don't provide enough stretch reflex and we don't contextualize them in the same way as meals such that they provide the same amount of fullness as like eating at a meal. Yeah, there's like a half measure to snacks. I recently read like some information on that as well, where it's like a snack is not enough to kind of like satiate you. There's not enough ceremony behind it like a meal would be. So it's like the full component of like, I ate, I checked that box off, I am satiated, I can move on with my day. It's like kind of an in-between that's like adding calories to your overall intake. And uh, yeah, it's like, it could be disruptive to your flow that day. When you said the ceremony of that, um, one of the studies that it was that they gave people the same amount of calories in two different scenarios. One, they told them, like both of them, they got a, they got like a, a sandwich, right? Like kind of like a half sandwich. And, um, and uh, in one of the scenarios, they had people eat it standing up and they told them it was a snack. And in their scenario, they put it on a plate with a table and all, you know, mm-hmm. and and like the whole like like lit candles and cloth napkins, yeah. like <laughs> dress them up in like a tux. It's like yeah. we're yeah. focusing on the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Music in the background. Oh yeah. Like a lot oh. Of 
Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where like we we treat we treat meals differently, right? And and you can get into the whole and that gets in that like overlaps with the research on um, like eating with screens and how and um, like the things they've done with people that have amnesia and and long story short, we treat meals differently and the the quantity makes a difference also and so yeah it, sure. Oh, and then we could go, and then the other thing that we, we see a lot is that um, two things with snacks. Most snacks aren't eaten for hunger reasons, right? And the quality of snacks um, tends to be lower. And these are like average, yeah. you know, these are like observational studies things. Of course, there are people that like deliberately eat healthy snacks. Yeah. And they take that, into, you know, but that's by far the, um, the exception, not the rule. Yeah, do you see? Do you think one of the determining factors of snacking is more boredom or like misinformation? Like people feel they need snacks, or do you think it leans more towards boredom is going to snack, even if it's intentional snacking? Like, what do you think is the the determining factor? Um, both. Okay. You know, I mean, like, like people eat um, because they were told they need to snack. Uh, like, I need to have six meals a day or whatever. People, um, so like, like habit or because that's something they were told. People snack because they're bored. People snack because they're procrastinating. People snack because they're tired. Um, and people snack, uh, lot, lots of folks snack to manage emotions. It, For it's, sure. one, it's, one, it's one of those things where like, there's so much snacking that has to do. So, so this is another one of those reasons why, why dieting is like completely worthless for a lot of people. <laughs> um, that like, if you're snacking because that's how you manage emotions, Diets don't address that at all. Yeah. The the rules and the restriction and the perfectionism around that actually tend to exacerbate that. Okay. Could you, right? Yeah. Could you talk more about that? So do you think that could potentially perpetuate like a bigger problem then if it's not addressing that, right? Yeah. 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 So, so, um, so the problem with like the perfectionism and rule-based diet thing is one of two things happen when, um, when people emotionally eat, either they get like amnesia, um, like they literally don't remember that. And they don't, they don't like if they're tracking or food logging or whatever, they, they literally blank out like the mindless eating. Almost like immediately they forget that they did it. Then. Yeah. Like that movie Memento with Guy Pierce. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. I used to have that on DVD. If, if people can remember DVDs, I used to have that movie on DVD and one of the special features was you could watch it forwards instead of backwards. Oh, weird. That's a fun fact. I gotta make a note of that so I remember. Forwards? It's the most boring movie ever. Oh, I'm sure. Backwards, it's like my favorite or it was at the time. I actually haven't seen it since DVDs. <laughs> That's a fun fact. Anyone watching, watch Memento, Memento forward for a mind blow. Uh, without getting off track, you're talking about how snacking there's an amnesia like people just don't register it right oh yeah 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 so there, there's a lot where we just don't we just don't register it as like it's not a meal or it's not a, or yeah. we just forget um or the other thing is or the the opposite is if people are on a diet and they've got these rules and they've got to be perfect and they do register it, they had it they're like oh i blew my diet and so i'll start again yeah. monday or this is the last time so you know what i'm gonna blow it out that is exactly that is something i can exactly relate to is like someone that's historically like yo-yo dieted like that sense of absolution i'm either on or i'm off i'm either yeah. eating or failing and there's a lot of like um 
really negative stuff that happens with that kind yeah. of like approach, that failure, success, like distinction with none of that gray area that we all tend to need to operate more in. And yeah. it's, it can be discouraging. Like uh, the first book you wrote was like fat loss happens on Monday. Just yeah. that sentence back to myself, like the, the meaning I took from it before I researched the book even more was just like, Oh, I'll wait till Monday. Like I, I yeah. it off until the beginning of the week or like, you know, because it's like, I, I fucking mailed it in anyways. Whatever. Like, I mean, yeah. all too prevalent in like diet culture and it sucks because it could, it's, I don't, it's, it could cause a lot of like damaging patterns and beliefs. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it starts to border on disordered eating pretty, pretty quickly. You know, we start moralizing food, right? I mean, I mean, there, there's, there's a whole world about that. where like, we start moralizing food and we start like placing, like overemphasizing like our body looks and, and all those things like that. But yeah. So if we're, if we're, if we're coming at this from the approach of, so we, we've kind of established that like um, your approach is distinctly dif- different than like diet culture. You tried, you tried yeah. that, thought it wasn't working. You had a certain amount of clientele that it seemed to be having success with, but then you realize you're missing like 90% of like the general market and like truly helping yeah. them. So you got into habits and behavior. Um, yeah. What were some of like the first like low hanging fruit that you saw with like habits and behavioral approaches to nutrition that you're like, wow, okay, this is like kind of the first place I would steer people. And this is where I really see like, some progress that's worthwhile starting to happen or did it happen that way yeah um absolutely um so uh so (laughs) so this is gonna sound really lame um but like like plating bounce meals okay right like so something like half your plate vegetables and fruit like quarter of your plate ish protein and quarter plate ish carbohydrates and like a tablespoon ish of fat as like a place to start where most people are going to feel the most full eating, eating like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it matches like Harvard's healthy eating plate and it's healthy and, and, and things like that too. But, um, it was one of those things where like when people are getting enough protein and enough vegetables, it's a lot easier to notice when they're full. Okay. So, and then also like just having like a simple plate guideline, not a rule, like a guideline, um, that takes all of the dieting questions off the table, like immediately. You know, everyone's like, what about this one? But it's not so rigid. Is that what you Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like a guideline to shoot for. Like, I don't care if like a 30 year plate split, like I, I don't, I don't care. It's just like, we're trying to get something kind of like a balance. And then, um, putting the fork down between bites. Huge. Um, I know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard, um, if they eat slower, it's easier to notice when they're full. Um, but it's hard to just like eat slower. You know, like it, it can feel really awkward. I mean, putting a fork down between bites feels awkward at first also, but it's a behavioral way to approach it and it gives people something to actually do. Um, and it can be put your fork down between bites or it can be take a sip of water between bites or it can just be like, not put food in your mouth while you're still chewing the last bite. Yeah. But, um, chewing but something. But that's another thing where like the number of clients I've had that said, this was the first time in my life I realized that I was full while eating a meal. You know, that's really helpful and really effective. And then the other thing that comes with that is people tend to say like that they enjoy their food more. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I was actually like there for that meal. Like being present for it, really savoring the taste, the yeah. aroma, the texture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like being, and like, I think you mentioned that with like, um, the, the study with like the screens, the people that sat down mm-hmm. with the sandwich and they were deliberately focused on it versus the people that were kind of absent-mindedly eating it. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and so those are two like guideline kinds of things. Like here's like a concrete thing you can do. And then we can start working on eating skills, which would be like, um, like uh, the practice of checking in with your stomach mid-meal and seeing if you're getting full, you know, and, and like looking at your plate and like kind of speculating, like, is this about the right amount? And then like three quarters of the way through and at the end of your meal. Um, and then we can put in a guideline like four to six hours between meals, like not a rule, like you can't have a snack between meals, right? But uh, sort of like a guideline, like, you know, if I had lunch two hours ago and I want a snack, maybe that's a red flag that I need to check in, mm -hmm. right? Instead of like automatically having the snack, I need to check in. Yeah, it sounds like there's and, a lot of like awareness and acknowledgement. Yeah. What is it that I'm feeling? Yeah. yeah. And like, and so that can be like, that can be broken down. Like that can be systemized, right? Like you can say, you can distinguish between hunger and like all the other things. Like you're saying like habit or stress or, or tired, or, you know, whatever. You can say like one, do I feel an empty feeling in my stomach or do I feel something else? An empty feeling in my heart. Exactly. But seriously. Like in my soul. In my soul. Potato chips would give me soul. <laughs> do, do, I, do I feel an empty feeling in my stomach or is this existential dread? Yeah, exactly right. It's, it's so hard to distinguish the two. It gets a little murky, that blur of mine. <laughs> no, I mean, like, but that's really cool. And like, what I, what I hear from that is like, kind of one of the first foundational steps people could take is slowing down, taking things in and being aware of like what they're feeling yeah. and like how, and even just like, a lot of benefit could be gained from that awareness. Whereas once upon a time, they were just like mindlessly plowing through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that that's, is that, would you say that's like kind of an important part of it at first is becoming aware? And yes. So, yeah. So like you, yeah, you could say that like the guidelines are just to like set up the conditions to make it easier to check in and the skills are like checking in and being aware. Nice. So like putting the fork tone between bites gives you time to check in. A four to, six, four to six hour gap between meals gives you like like a framework for when to check in. And maybe when you have a craving, you put in like a five minute gap or like a 10 minute gap between having that craving and deciding whether or not to have that snack because it gives you time to check in. Yeah, like pumping the brakes and like thinking about it. And then yeah. I heard that ages ago. It's like when you mindlessly like get home and reach for the fridge or you're tinkering around your apartment, like acknowledge it, pause for 10 minutes and see if you're still hungry for that snack or if it was a real, yeah. like a habit or whatever. Yeah, and having the flexibility that like, if you check in and you're like, you know what? I do feel an empty feeling in my stomach. I am hungry for like, uh, like a balanced meal. And this, this hunger has been like building over time. I'm, I'm gonna eat, right? Yeah, like, like the, like, I, it's, it's important. Like sometimes people fall into the trap of like, I waited 20 minutes and then I was still hungry. Well, it's not like, <laughs> it's so you can check in. <laughs> yeah. And how empowering is it when you check in, you do the pause and then you realize you were not hungry and you would have like snacked when you didn't need it. Yeah. Like I think coming away with that realization, even just once could be super powerful. Like that, that moment where you practice it, you're aware of it and you decide, huh, I really don't need to. I'm really glad I checked in. That was cool. It's empowering because it came from you. Yeah. Right. It's not, like have, it's not like you have someone that's like sneaking up on you, blaring one of those horns when you touch the, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> a snack checker. 
yeah, you're not, no one's, no one's slapping the, the thing out of your hand. No one's blaring the horn in your ear. So, would you, yeah. right, so um, who, who are these like, let's say that there are people out there listening to this and they've been struggling with their, their diet or their approach to nutrition. They're super frustrated. They maybe gone through some of these experiences like yo-yo dieting. They've seen some good results with diets, but then they notice they just get like right back on track. Would you say yeah. that this kind of approach, like behavioral skill-based is something worth trying if we, you know, if you're kind of, if people are experiencing uh, frustration with kind of their perception of like what diets historically have been about. Yeah. Of, yeah, of course. I mean, like, like the first thing people need to get is they need to get the, like, if their experience of diets is that diets have worked for them for a while and then they got stressed out or their schedule changed or something and then it all, all came apart that like that's the the that's the average experience of diets mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with them there's nothing you know like that's that's how diets go for 90 percent of people sure. right so um so yeah like they just need the skills like no one ever taught them the skills and the people that diets work for tend to already have the skills or like the people that are like like maintain their body composition naturally are people that like their parents just ate that way and they picked up the skills by accident, you know? And so whatever, whatever issues they've had in the past um, was a skill deficit. It was, it was just, no one ever taught them the skills. And, um, and at the same time, um, perfectionist like diet rules make everything worse for any kind of learning. Like if they were trying to learn to play clarinet and they could never make a mistake, that would make learning impossible. Yeah. Like food's the same way. And so, and so they were, they were set up to fail two different ways. They weren't given the skills to succeed and they were told if they made one mistake, they, they failed. I mean, like it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Thoughts, actually. When you yeah. Think. Yeah. It's like, it's like if someone was like, all right, so um, here, like they just told you, here are the here are the ten things you need to do to do a handstand. Now do a one minute handstand in the middle of the room, and if you come down, you fail. Yeah, it sets too much of an absolution. I think. Yeah. Like, this is and there's never a one size fits all for really anything if you think about it. Like everyone, no. everyone's a unique snowflake. They need a, yeah an approach to their lifestyle, their nutrition perspectives and habits that are as unique as they are. You would think. Yeah. Ab absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, um, you know, like, a lot of my clients will work through, like, six or ten different, different, um, different skills or guidelines over the, over the course of the time we're working together. And it might be a different six or ten guidelines than the next client. And by the time everyone's done, they usually have, like, three that are, like, theirs. Mm -hmm. and like they're not the same three as someone else's so someone else like all their skills might be wrapped around like how do i how do i manage um how do i manage these these like hard feelings without food and the next person like it might have all been how do i plate balance meals and put the fork down between bites yeah and that's totally cool <laughs> and that makes more sense than getting like a template of like these are the foods you can eat these are the foods you cannot eat yeah calorie total <laughs> yeah and then good luck, figure it out, figure out how yeah. to do that like sustainable. Yeah. Of, like the diets versus like a behavioral or a skill-based approach, like behavior habits and skills are something that you can hone and like maintain over time because you are yeah. 
progressing them, course correcting them to your needs. Yeah. Whereas like a you know, template just locks you into something. It's like, this is the guidelines without really any of the how to. This is just like kind of what you're locked into. Which is of course why it gets harder over time. That makes sense. Like rigid rules get more and more annoying <laughs> the longer we have to put up with them. Meanwhile, like that skit, like you were saying like, how empowering it would be to check in with yourself mm-hmm. and to notice that you don't want the snack, like you're actually just tired. Yeah. That's actually self-reinforcing. And that's great. And that's such a, that's such a more positive foundation to build off of. Yeah. Like feeling like you're either a success or a failure. Yeah. Or like there's like a one rule. So you are the author of your latest book, Lean and Strong. Yeah. Would you say that um, uh, a lot of this information and these approaches could be found in that book? Like tell us a little bit about Lean and Strong. That is why I wrote the book. Um, so the um, the book's got like five five levels, right? It, first level is don't diet because okay. that doesn't really work uh, statistically for most people. Um, then eating skills, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. Then meta skills, which is the like obstacle planning, like looking at my next week and going like, hey, what's coming up? Or looking at last week and going like, hey, what came apart? And can I put together a plan? Like, if this happens, then I'll do that. Or, um, or even like, like the 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 willingness that we were talking about earlier. Um, then, oh, and and like flexibility. And then um, the ten turning points are like mindset shifts that um, all of my successful clients have had, and they kind of get there on their own um, eventually with enough skill practice. But um, I decided to just map it out and just tell people. <laughs> um, On the in the book, you mentioned something. I think it was when you were talking. Uh, you're dedicating like the uh, the first part of the book to like Dan John, and you said yeah. pirate map to nutrition. What did you call it? It was like like in lean and strong. There's like a, a map to it. You said like an actual map, isn't it? Yeah. So so Dan John's thing. Dan John's into um, two different things. He's into uh, pirate maps and shark habits. Okay. And so a shark habit is a thing you do once, like one bite and then you move on. Yeah. And, um, and that would be like uh, every, every person that comes to his garage to, to work out, um, like they have to go see, they have to go to the dentist and they have to go to the eye doctor and they, like they have to go, they have to go do all their like, like all of the like doctor checkup maintenance that like they should have done anyway. <laughs> but it's just like one bite and they're done, right? Yeah. And then pirate maps are like the absolute simplest version of what you need to do to get to your goal. Like here's the four steps, That's right? So and, um, and so the way I outlined, and he's been asking me for years, <laughs> what's the pirate map um, for weight loss? And, um, and so the way I would outline the pirate map would be um, plate balanced meals. That'd be one. Number two, put your fork down between bites and notice when you're getting full. Number three would be put four to six hours between meals without snacking. And number four would be distinguish the difference between a craving for a snack and all of those other things, tiredness, procrastination, you know, emotions. so awesome. And that's like the whole system in a nutshell. So this book sounds really great as in it's it's setting up people for a lot of success and ease you're mapping out the journey like literally yeah yeah (laughs) and like you give people a great starting point and kind of like the paradigm shift of like don't diet let's move aside the concept of dieting so you can 
understand and appreciate what we're about to get in here a lot better. Yeah. It sounds really yeah. cool, helpful and like clearly laid out. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, yeah. I, I tried to. Um, and so like that pirate map could be like the big thing that people take away from this is that they could go to work on that now. Like maybe they could go to work on some of those or, or all of those four things, you know? It's kind of five, I saw some kind of fifth one. Um, but, you know, like they could start this week with just plating balanced meals and putting four, four to six hours in between meals, right? And see what happens, pay attention. And like, if they notice that they're checking in and they keep finding out that it's, um, that it's not hunger, then they can work on like putting in some self-care or putting in some acceptance or putting in, you know, some, some ways to like be with that. Um, but if they notice that they are actually like legitimately getting hungry three hours after every meal, that means they're not eating enough of their meals mm. and they could bump up their meals. So they could start playing with the system now. And the, the, the system is a, like, it has to include weekly reflection, like, like what I just said. We were like, you know what? This week, I, I really was hungry. I like, I need to bump up my meal quantity. And then you deal with like, that seems kind of scary because I'm used to dieting and eating too little at meals. And, but like, you, you can deal with all that by having a framework and reflecting every week. And that's great. And again, that like puts the power in their hands of like the awareness and the like the, the self, like the, the self-actualization of it. It's like, this mm -hmm. is within my control. I have this temp, this like guideline, these like structures that are not so rigid that I can work within. And I could really figure this out for myself. So there's a lot. Yeah. Of, I think there would be a lot of, again, like empowerment for people to take this approach and knowing that there's a little bit of like forgiveness and leeway within it as well. Yeah. All, all of that. And it, it is like the, the, the reason. So if people want to shift their relationship to food and shift their relationship to their body, they have to have that kind of empowerment that you were just talking about. Yeah. It has to come from um, their own reflection and, um, and it helps to have like some structure <laughs> to put that inside of, um, you know, like some guidelines and some skills. But like if, if they're going along this track of, of like guidelines and skills, but they're like flexible and, they're, and they reflect on it, then um, it is empowering. And it, it does like all of a sudden they're, they're learning from their own experience and they're learning about themselves and their body and what they want to do with food. And, um, and, and they basically get to like co-create their own like individual program and that, that shifts everything for them. And you pair that with some, with some reflection on like who you want to be about food and like what character strengths you want to embody. And what you get is, is an, in, like in a year people are, are, will never be the same about food this like all these skills start to get very um very natural and they become expressions of the kind of person that they want to be and their version of the skills come from their own reflections and there is no like there's there's no falling off of that there's no going back from that and like you you have the flexibility that, that's built in from your own learning um it it can change everything for people and so and so i, I want people to know that like the experience you've had with diets before is like the opposite of the experience that, that you, you should have with learning about yourself and food. Right. I really love that, dude. That is like such a, a powerful and like clear sentiment. And I love the way that you just framed that. And I think that could be like super beneficial for people to hear that 
and like put it into practice. And I love how you said that it's like a journey they can undergo to understand themselves and like truly layer a foundation in that there is no coming back from because they will have put in the work, the right kind yeah. of Yeah. Dude, They'll have like, expanded. Yeah. That is like such a great, positive, uplifting, powerful note to end this. It's, it's part of, it's great. It's perfect. Like, this is great, dude. We should <laughs> put some dramatic music behind it. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, no, dude, this is, um, that is a great place to end it. And thanks, man, because um, that isn't where every podcast goes. And so I, I appreciate this, um, where this conversation went um, yeah. I mean, because it's of your insights. I've, had, like, I've never had like a podcast anything. So I wasn't, I mean, like you're fun to shoot the shit with. And like I yeah. need a wealth of information in this. So it was cool to catch up with you, see your face, hear about your book, congratulate you, and hopefully put a little bit of useful information for people uh, to hear. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. I mean, you should have a podcast. You're good at this. Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> I mean, not should, but I, but I mean, like, this is great. No, that's the idea, man. It's like, I want to I wanna start putting out more helpful resources for people. And like, I definitely base it off like some of my struggles. That's why this particular topic resonated with me. Like, dude, I've been there with the yo-yo dieting, the emotional eating, the stress eating, the escape, like all of it. It's like, wasn't too far off where I couldn't distinguish like, is this I'm hungry or is it an existential crisis that I'm under? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I want people to like anything I can give them to not have to go through the years of like that bullshit that I had to go through <laughs> what it's all about. man. Yeah. So, I, I appreciate you sharing your pearls of wisdom and your knowledge. Awesome. Thanks so, for having me, dude. Yeah. Before we part ways, uh, where can uh, the name of your book, your name, uh, and where <laughs> find you. My name is Josh Hillis. Um, <coughs> Hold on. That last part is that like? <laughs> um, my name is Josh Ellis. Uh, the book is called Lean and Strong: Eating Skills, Psychology, and Workouts. Uh, it's available at Amazon, um, or it's available at OnTargetPublishing.com. And uh, you can find me um, at LooseStubbornFat.com. That's my blog. Um, May very shortly turn into joshellis.com. Yeah. Um, and you can also find me at gmb.io. Uh, yeah. Um, I also do a lot of stuff over there. GMB Fitness, that's another great subject matter for another time. But <laughs> yeah. This company, great values. They recently hired Josh to oversee their nutrition. And this is not like a light decision. They were looking for the right fit and they found it in Josh. So it says a lot about him, says a lot about the company. So yeah, it'll be a conversation for another time. That's good. Thank you so much, Josh. Thanks, dude. Later, everyone. Bye. I'm going to stop.